you know? So this was, like, just literally, like, a big freaking like, street brawl. Like, grassroots street brawl against this fascism march. Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora. The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Hey everyone, it's Regina with the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast. And I am here with Cyrus. Good morning. And today we are talking about the history of Antifa. Woo-hoo. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unusual, actually. It's kind of got a little bit of mystery. It's kind of vague. I mean, it's not too vague, but it's not really built upon an organization. So Antifa, hot topic these days. Yeah. And we had talked about doing an episode just on Antifa in a few episodes back, I think during the Chaz Chop episode, maybe. Yeah, it was Chaz Chop, the takeover of Seattle. We mentioned we wanted to dive a little bit more into Antifa. And so we're starting with a part one, which is the history of Antifa. And then we're going to tie it into part two, uh, what's currently going on with Antifa. And I think what our listeners will find interesting is the the vast difference between European Antifa and American Antifa. They're ve- they're two very different things. As we'll start going over when we go over the history. Mm-hmm. Is it Antifa or Antifa? It seems to me. I don't freaking know. Yeah, I don't know either. But it sh- <laughs> but it's anti-fascist, so it should be Antifa, but. Antifa. I guess that Antifa. I guess that doesn't sound as good. <laughs> I think it's Antifa. Yeah, Antifa, whatever. Antifa, Antifa, tomato, tomato. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, sidetrack. That's okay. Um, before we dive into this, I would like to mention that we have a great uh, free PDF you can download from our website, theoffgridoutpost.com. 131 ways to make money using counter economics. Yeah, it's awesome. It sure is. Pretty proud of it. And it's free. It's totally free. Basically, uh, we give you lots of ideas about how to make money either on the side, or you could even start your own business with it if you're ambitious, mm-hmm. and how to keep the government out of your money. Yeah. So head over to the offgridoutpost.com. Uh, there'll be a, a download option right on the front page. You just got to enter in your email and we send you an email directly to your inbox. Easy peasy. Yep. All right. On to the Antifa show. <laughs> that should be like a, like a sitcom. The Antifa show. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter who they use as actors because everybody's wearing masks. Yeah, pretty much. It'd be pretty low budget, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'd be a beef flick. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, kick off uh, the history of Antifa with the first actual uh, situation where Antifa occurred, and that is back in 1921. It was um, when Mussolini 
came into power in Italy. And Mussolini's first name was Benito. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that? I did know that, yeah. You did know that? Okay. I did. I, I just yeah. never heard it, I guess. I've always heard Mussolini. I've never heard the first name, so. Yeah, when people say Mussolini, everybody knows who you're talking about, usually, so nobody uses Yeah, you don't have name. to add a first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the anti-fascist group was formed directly from Mussolini's rise to power, and they were called the Arditi del Popolo, which means the people's daring ones, and they fought against... Uh, the black shirts is what they called them, which was basically like the cops back then. Yeah, Mussolini's paid muscle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every government needs paid muscle. Got to enforce the rules, huh? Yeah, I think that just, uh, I think that goes along with government. Mm-hmm. Government and henchmen. I mean, mm-hmm. they're more or less henchmen. Right. Paid henchmen that are uh, brainwashed to believe that they're doing something patriotic and righteous. Right. It's just kind of interesting, the psychology of fascists and patriotism and you know because you look at the nazis and all the patriotism that they had for hitler and his regime well and i think it's probably a good idea uh to interject something that will probably be a theme throughout this uh two-part series and that's what a fascist is and mussolini was a fascist without a doubt and yeah you know it's there's there seems to be you know, I, I was just going to look up definition of fascism, uh, of fascism and not a whole lot of agreement on it, but I did find a pretty generic uh, definition at dictionary.com, and it is a government system led by a dictator having complete power, forcibly suppressing mm. opposition and criticism, regimenting all industry and commerce, and emphasizing an aggressive nationalism and often racism. Yeah. So I think that definition of what fascism is, is important in this discussion. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. The definition of fascism. Well, and the nationalism is like the huge chunk there, is like the major pride for your country that goes overboard. Yeah. Basically, it's nationalism on steroids because you know what? I'm like proud to be an American and I love my country. Yeah, and there's some feelings of nationalism, but this is like, you know, taking it a little too far. Well, and there are there are a bunch of different parts that make up fascism and all those parts individually are not fascist. You have to Mm. it's a conglomeration of these different things like there are racist people that are not fascists. And there are nationalist people who are not fascist or racist. You know what I mean? Like, you have to kind of combine all of these characteristics. Interesting. And, and that was def- that definitely fit Mussolini. And um, it definitely fit uh, Hitler. Anyway, I just wanted to interject a, that part. That's an interesting uh, thought. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. But it's true. You have to have all the pieces of the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. You can't just stand alone and be considered fascism. Right. Uh, what happened was, so we have the um, the people's daring ones who are fighting against the fascists. So they brought together, like, the unionists, anarchists, socialists, communists, and, and also the republicans as well, um, and started pushing back against this regime. Well, because of that, the Organization for Vigilance and Repression of Anti-Fascism, the OVRA, 
Mussolini organized that, and they surveillanced the Italians. They did raids. They murdered anti-fascists, and they blackmailed the church. So there was this constant war between the OVRA and the Antifa for, like, almost two decades until Mussolini was assassinated. So this was like an ongoing thing. So It was like a grassroots movement, too. It was like the people in the streets, you know, took it upon themselves to push back against this uh, fascist oppression. Exactly. It was a defense against fascism. It was a reaction against fascism. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they organized pre-fascism, you know, it was a, right. an action-reaction, which is just a balance of nature, you know? Right. So what's interesting about it is that there was a... Mussolini made a thing called Italianization, where he made people, basically the Slovenes and the Croats, I don't even know where those people are from, but they're non-Italians that were in Italy. Mm-hmm. And he enforced this Italianization, which was basically cultural genocide of these people. They were not allowed to speak their home language. They were not allowed to practice their home religion. They closed their schools. They basically forced them into becoming, assimilating to become Italian. And I know that's what agitated a lot of the the Antifa. Yeah. You know, which is what Antifa stands for. Kind of like what we did... Uh, well, I say we, I, I wasn't there, but what America did to the Native Americans. Yeah. Forced assimilation. Mm-hmm. Comply or die kind of thing, which isn't good. You know, fascism isn't good. I think we can all pretty much agree on that, whether yeah, we agree with Antifa or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any disagreement about that. So there's another piece of history. Maybe you can talk more about it. I didn't really uh, go into researching it, but you know, the, the anti, the Antifa against, you know, the Nazi Germany, I think that's what most people are familiar with. Not very many people are familiar with the Italian piece, but I think people definitely are familiar with the anti-Nazi movement. Yeah. I, I think most people recognize that fascism is not a great thing. And so when a, when a fascist ruler comes into a power, they're going to have a lot of pushback. And that's sort of why they use the tactics that they use to, like, force suppression. You know, they take away freedom of speech. Um, Dissenters are criminalized and imprisoned. And so in these places, like Italy and Germany, there's People on the streets push back against that and groups who wouldn't normally, who, who don't agree politically, they'll come together to push back against this one thing that they all agree is bad. And so you had the same thing in Germany as you had in Italy, that it was just kind of an organic movement where, uh, where people come together to push back against fascism. It was just the same thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing happened. And I know uh, just a little random piece of history. So you know how, like, the Antifa, they do the closed fist raised in the air? That's kind of like the Antifa symbol. Uh That came from the Antifa from Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah, just a little random fun fact there. (laughs) A little trivia. You know, Antifa talks about using violence 
to overthrow these dictators. Mm -hmm. And I think where that probably comes from is the fact that in Italy, no matter how hard they tried, Mussolini still gained power. And in Germany, no matter how hard they tried, uh, Hitler still gained power. And so Mm -hmm. there is this sentiment that uh, it's we have to use violence because the the rhetoric of these leaders, the rhetoric is enticing and that in the political spectrum, we lose the battle. Yeah. And I think that's why they uh, resort to violence. I mean, there's a there's a thread of logic to it that I don't personally agree with, but I can see where it comes from. Using violence to fight violence, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll see that throughout history. And, you know, they don't talk much about the violence of Antifa throughout history, but there was, it was definitely there. I mean, this was more like, like brawling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. These were more brawls. So when I say battles, or fighting, it's more so like street fighting. Dozens and sometimes hundreds of people duking it out in the streets. It's crazy. Well, and that leads us uh, right into the next bit of history that's important to know, which is the Battle of Cable Street. Now, again, it wasn't like a full-blown battle, but it was a, a massive street brawl Yeah. <laughs> against the fascists and the anti-fascists. So Cable Street happened in October of 1936 in London. And the British Union of Fascists, uh, they attempted to march through a Jewish neighborhood in London. And it was a lot. It was a lot of people. It was 3,000 British Union fascists and 6,000 policemen who accompanied them. Accompanied them. Okay, so this is a massive march. So that's 90,000 mm-hmm. fascists and cops marching down a Jewish neighborhood in London. In 1936, I have like this, I can see this playing out like a movie in my head. Right. Just like the cobblestones of London, and it's all like foggy, and it's black (laughs) and white, and everyone's in their wool coats and stuff. I can just see it happening. (laughs) Right. The policemen have that funny little hat on. Yeah, and then, yep, they have those little domed hats and their billy clubs and stuff. (laughs) So... Basically, what happened is the Antifa came out, anti-fascist Londoners, and I don't even think they were organized, which is kind of the the whole point of Antifa is they're not organized, not funded. So anti-fascist Londoners came out to the tune of a minimum of 20,000 to possibly up to 100,000 anti-fascists came to stop this march. Yeah. And they were like recruiting... It is really awesome. Uh, They're recruiting little kids to roll marbles under, like, the policemen's horses. (laughs) You know? So this was, like, just literally, like, a big freaking, like, street brawl. Like, grassroots street brawl against this fascism march. Right. And uh, they were chanting, they shall not pass. And they stopped them. They actually stopped the fascists from marching through this Jewish neighborhood in London. Right. So it became this uh, this centerpiece of Antifa, the Battle of Cable Street, because they actually they actually won the right. battle. Right. That's a huge piece right there, and that was in London. So we're still in Europe. I think it's also important to say that there were fascists in London, or not London, fascists in Europe. 
the Americas didn't have a bunch of fascism. I mean, little pockets of it here and there. But um, there was real fascism in Europe. Like hardcore fascism. Right, right. (laughs) Like Mussolini was a hardcore fascist. Yeah. We all know Hitler was a very hardcore fascist. So we're having, you know, an anti-fascist reaction to actual real fascism. So the final piece of European Antifa history I want to talk about is the, uh, basically the skinhead scene in Germany in the 1980s. And that, that personally resonates with me because... I was kind of like a little bit of a punk goth chick Mm -hmm. uh, back in the, eh, more so the 90s, but I was born in the 80s and I moved into that punk scene and I remember having skinhead friends and people were like, you know, oh, skinheads are racist, but it's actually the opposite. The skinheads are anti-racist. Well, skinheads are basically Antifa. Uh So uh, basically these Nazi skinheads is kind of what they called them, Antifa Nazi skinheads. They infiltrated the punk scene and that started the third wave of anti-fascism. And they would squat and protest and did the raised fist and use the black and red logos that their uh, forefathers used in the 30s. So they kind of revived it in the 80s in Germany. Which I find it, I find that interesting. Yeah. So the Nazi skinheads, they were not really Nazis. They were just called that. No. Okay. No, they were just called Nazi skinheads, and but they were anti-fascist Nazi skinheads. I wonder how did they get that label? Did they have like tattoos of swastikas or something? Or uh, I'm just curious. I, I don't know no anything about it. Idea. I have no idea. This is just a little blurb I found on history. Yeah. That says. Uh, Anti-fascists stepped up to confront hate and racism racism in the form of Nazi skinheads that began to infiltrate the punk scene. So I think maybe they were resonating with Nazis, but anti-Nazi, anti-Nazi Nazis? I have no idea. (laughs) I am going to leave in the show notes the two articles that I found, and they're they're reputable articles reputable articles. One's from Smithsonian and the other one is from uh, the Gateston Institute. You know, maybe they misspoke. Maybe they're not called Nazi skinhead Antifa people, but I think they were because I remember when this whole movement moved into America in the 90s, it was very confusing for people because people always thought skinheads were Nazis and it probably came from this term of Nazi skinheads. But it's actually... Antifa. That is confusing. And it's probably something in Germany that they're like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But in America, we're like totally clueless. (laughs) As Americans sometimes are. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I remember like the skinheads would wear like the white wife beater and they'd have, you know, like a shaved bicked head. Mm -hmm. And then they had the red laces with the black boots. Those were anti-fascists okay which is a very uh big misconception i actually have a friend who is a skinhead and has been since i mean we went to high school together and he was a 90s anti-fascist skinhead and very misunderstood okay so that kind of closes up the um the points i wanted to make now there are there are more points of european anti-fascism 
But those were kind of like the biggest points that stuck out to me. Did you have any more points for European fascism? I guess not really. I mean, the the whole point of this first part of the episode is really just to gain context for the next episode. And, you know, you brought up the history of, of what Antifa was in Europe. And, you know, my point that they really had fascism in Europe, I think those are the two main takeaways of that historical perspective. All right, so moving on into uh, American Antifa history, which is much, much different than European Antifa history. And like you mentioned before, I would say the largest difference is, is we have not had a fascist dictatorship in America. So the prerogatives are a little different. However, people do think that Trump is a fascist, which it's, I mean, he's not. He does not qualify in the definition of fascism. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, whether you like him or whether you don't like him, he, he just doesn't fit. You know, there's no doubt he's a nationalist. But Yeah, I don't. but nationalism is not fascism, like we right. have discussed. You've got to check all the freaking boxes. Yeah, I don't think he's racist. I mean, I don't know the guy, so I can't tell you. But, I mean, just because you're a nationalist and you want to protect your borders and you don't want illegal immigration those things that doesn't make you a racist at least not in my that view. doesn't make you a fascist no it doesn't make you a fascist either and he's not a dictator yeah. like he doesn't have full power you no. know like in in just a couple of months you have the opportunity to get rid of him so he's not a dictator exactly it's not an auto what do they call that autocracy we don't have an autocracy where all the power is filtered into one person. Yeah, I mean, even if he's a nationalist and a racist, let's say he checks those two boxes, he's definitely not running a dictatorship, which is another box of fascism. So we have not ever had a fascist in power in America, yet there are Antifa here. Mm -hmm. And the first uh, historical event I'd like to notate went all the way back in 1933 with the American League Against War and Fascism. And this was established by the Communist Party in America. Say that again. That's a long name. The American League Against War and Fascism. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Go on. Nailed it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So basically, this ALAWF, I guess would be their acronym, they claim to oppose fascism in Europe, so now we're, you know, doing this thing. We're kind of jumping on the bandwagon, the Antifa bandwagon. Okay. Um, they were actually dedicated to subverting and overthrowing the U.S. government. So they used the guise of anti-fascism with all the crazy happening in Europe to push their own agenda, which was communism in America and overthrowing American government. Okay. The American League Against War and Fascism was a a communist organization that wanted to overthrow the government. And that was in the 30s. Okay. That was in the 30s. So then you fast forward 20 years later, the leader of this thing, Manning Johnson, who had been instructed by the Communist International in the 1930s to set up the American League Against War and Fascism, he made a statement. And this statement basically was that This league was created as a cover to attack our government, our social system, our leaders. It was used to cover as a cover to attack our law enforcement agencies and to build up mass hate against them. 
It was used as a cover to undermine national security, used as a cover to defend communists, the sworn enemies of our great heritage. It was used as a cover for preparing millions of people ideologically and organizationally for the overthrow of the U.S. government. This was back in the 50s. So basically openly and blatantly saying we're using Antifa, this Antifa movement, to build hate against law enforcement in Mm -hmm. the 50s. So, you know, and we'll fast forward to tie that in 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 part two of this series, but that really rings a bell with me with what's going on with modern day fascism or anti-fascism, I should say. Yeah, that's very familiar. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. familiar. So this is a far cry from the Italians fighting off Mussolini's fascist dictatorship. This is literally trying to overthrow American government, which is not a fascist government. So that's that's a huge piece of American Antifa history that I think people need to know about, because that is the foundation right. of what Ant- American Antifa is here in our country. What they grew out of. Yep. I think it's kind of funny that you would call the United States a fascist government, because in a fascist government, the dictator basically nationalizes industry, so industry is owned by the government and controlled by the government. And here we have exactly the opposite, where I think that I think industry controls our government. And that's that's an opinion, but that's what I think. Well, and, uh, you know, Antifa is very anti-capitalism here in America, so... You know, pro-communism, anti-capitalism, but doesn't that make them err more on the side of fascism? Question mark? Yeah, right. Good question. I don't know. It seems a little counterintuitive. But just to round out this, you know, historical stuff, you know, we're moving into modern day Antifa. And what really kicked it off was uh, 2017 Antifa showed up to the Unite the Right rally which was hosted by the KKK, I believe, in West Virginia. And that has spurred our Antifa movement uh, kind of flare-up here in America once again. Yeah, and again, racism is not fascism. I didn't even know the KKK was still around, <laughs> but I mean... Yeah, it is, actually. There's, there's definitely modern-day KKK movement. I guess so, but... You know, Mm -hmm. again, racism is not fascism. It's not the same thing. So what's the difference between racism and fascism? Let's just throw that out there. Okay, well, I mean, racism is sometimes involved with fascism. Like, that can be a component of fascism. But it's not, it hasn't always been historically. So you have to have all the components to have fascism. You have to have the dictatorship You have to have somebody that has full control of industry in a country where they use violence to suppress dissension. And that's that's just not what race racism is a pretty simple thing. Racism is, I believe these people are better than these people because of their race. That's all racism is. So racism is a component of fascism. Well, it can be. Fascism is not racism. I guess you don't even need racism because it could be. You could be a fascist that's only sexist and not racist. Yeah, it's kind of like saying orange, an orange is a fruit, but you can't say that all fruit are oranges. <laughs> I mean, it's the yeah. same analogy. You know what's funny is there's one more event I wanted to just quickly mention that happened uh, November 1999. There was a flare-up of Antifa, and they were masked, and actually it was a... Uh, 
It says a mob of masked anarchists, which were the predecessors of today's Antifa movement, they went into downtown Seattle and disrupted a, a conference of the World Trade Org- Organization. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently they used violence, so that doesn't make them actual true anarchists, which is, I mean, we cover that in episode one of the true meaning of anarchy is nowhere right. near what people realize it is. Right. But these people claiming to be anarchists that led into modern-day Antifa here went into downtown Seattle, trashed it, and protested the WTO. So Seattle's just gotten trashed. Yeah. (laughs) Been a victim. You know, that happened 20 years ago. I can't recall that event happening at all. Yeah, I don't Which is amazing how quickly we forget history. I mean, either Mm -hmm. that or it wasn't very broadcasted. Yeah, at that time in my life, I wasn't paying attention to national politics very much, you know, so. Where was I? I was, uh, 1999, I was a junior in high school, so I was busy being a teenager, but it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, you were, and just, then wasn't you were there... just a pup. I was a pup, yeah, and then you I were, had... Your biggest job was beating boys off of you. Yeah, and then I got pregnant a year later and had my daughter. <laughs> so you were terrible at beating the boys off of you. <laughs> yeah, well, I was good at beating him off, except for one. Uh, yeah, one. Actually, of them. that sounded really that sounded really bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I was a total goth chick in high school too, so yeah. everybody like loved me. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I'm like, oh, get away from me! <laughs> but everyone's like, oh my god, I love you. <laughs> I was just the lovable goth chick. That's funny. And then wasn't there like an event uh, that happened? Uh, I don't know. It's got to be close to 10 years ago. The the Wall Street protests. What was that called? Oh, yeah. Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. I feel like Antifa was mixed in there, too. I mean, I imagine they probably were. Antifa yeah. is... It, it's made up by a lot of different people. Like, there are PETA people who want to be part of Antifa, you know? Yeah, Animal rights true. people. Uh, global warming people i mean that they just attract a wide variety of people that have grievances against government for one reason or another yeah that's a good point yeah so next week um we're going to get into modern day antifa and what the hell is going on you know with that in our country we're you know focusing on the americanized antifa now and basically you know from what i've read and seen i can deduce that Antifa has become radicalized in America. Yeah, I think so, for sure. It's, it's actually kind of funny. There, there's this one interview I saw where this uh, lady reporter is interviewing these two people in black masks, citing their identity. It's just kind of a funny interview. But yeah, they're talking about why they use violence and why it's okay. And it's pretty interesting. Yeah, radical, for sure. Yeah. It's very radical, and they almost, in a way, use fascism to fight anti-fascism, because they themselves have become fascists in their beliefs, in a sense. Yeah, well, they weird. definitely use fascist tactics. They're, you know, this doxing, where they dox people. So all you got to do is call somebody a racist, and then dox them, and then, you know, Antifa is showing up at their doorstep, <laughs> you know. I mean, that is a fascist tactic to silence opposition. Interesting. Yeah, those are the kind of things we're going to talk about next episode. So 
you will want to tune in. It'll be the episode after next, uh, our very, very next episode. So every Friday we are now releasing our off-grid series, The Seven Pillars of Going Off-Grid. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be uh, actually very fascinating. And that will be every Friday. And then Tuesday, so the following Tuesday, will be this uh, the, the modern-day Antifa and what's going on with it. So you can stay tuned and look forward to that. And maybe that's a little bit confusing, so you just have to listen to every episode. It made sense in my head, but I can magically <laughs> see the calendar in my head. So. Right, right. <laughs> Fridays is an off-grid series, and then Tuesdays is going to be our little like philosophy, theory, history stuff. Right. Fridays will be the how, Tuesdays will be the why. Exactly. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Off-Grid Outpost. Please take a visit to our website, theoffgridoutpost.com. We have a lot more content there. We have free downloads, uh, really good stuff going on there. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can email us at theoffgridoutpost at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message, which there is a link in the show notes. I will also drop the reference sources for the history of Antifa in the show notes. And don't forget to uh, rate our podcast. It helps us get found. It helps with our relevance levels on whatever platform you're listening on. Yay. I got that down pretty good now. Yeah. You're killing it. Yeah. All right. We'll tune in next time and we'll uh, catch you then. Talk to you later. Here's a little teaser for what's coming next week. An area where people are steadfast and, oh, I got to buy a 20-acre property. It's going to cost me several hundred thousands of dollars. Well, we have a solution for that. Several solutions. Yeah. Before we get into the solutions, everybody wants a whole bunch of land. You know, I do yeah. too. I would love to have a thousand acres and a little cabin in the middle of it. But Heck yeah. But you can go off-grid with just a couple of acres. Thanks for listening to the Off-Grid Outpost podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you can get all the new episodes.